Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful, for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. And welcome to everyone out there in oil country. All the, uh, you know, I like to say that we have the wisest fans in the world, Bruce, reading, reading the cult of hockey, listening to the podcast. Certainly when it comes to hockey, they're the wisest fans in the world, man. There's a ton of really super knowledgeable people. Everywhere you go at Edmonton, I'm constantly impressed by uh, just the incredible depth of hockey knowledge that so many people have in this city. So uh, it's kind of an honor that uh, many of them tune into this podcast and don't think that we're complete and utter idiots. Or maybe they do, and they're just polite. Oh, most of them are polite. (laughs) (laughs) Every once in a while I read the comments on the YouTube section and uh, got a a, a bit of an eye-opener. I had one guy who said I I looked like I uh, ironed my shirt with a pineapple. I like that one. <laughs> Were you wearing the shirt you have on today? Well, no, this this is this is the orders, man. This is the first day of training camp. I, I think I actually I'd, I'd like to say I know what's going on down there, but I think this is the first day they hit the ice. Um, yesterday was physicals and so on, but uh, they're kind of keeping it private to this point. So uh, they'll be opening it up to the public on uh, yeah. Uh, 11th, the and last you, day. You and I, in the eyes of the orders, are definitely the public. We're not part, like we, we don't get, we can't get oh. press passes. So, just oh. some things you're able to get them, are you not? Like to rookie things, kind of? Yeah, no, well, I mean, pass. usually they open these kind of things to the public, um, like the development camp. All I ever do is go and sit in the oh, stand. Oh, I see. Right? Okay, you yeah. haven't had a press pass. Report you just don't. There. No, no. No, no, I'm 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 the uh, great unwashed, and that's that's fine. I mean, we report as outsiders, right? But if you report what the eye sees, your eye has to see it first. And if the event is closed to the public, then so it is. So uh, people have been asking me if I'm going to be bringing updates on rookie camp, and the answer is, as possible. I, <clears throat> I do intend on going to the game in Red Deer tomorrow night, and we'll report from there. So they play uh, the Flames rookies uh, tomorrow night in Red Deer, and the next game is what? Is it Monday? Tuesday in Tuesday, Calgary. Tuesday yep. in Calgary. All right. And uh, so those will be two really, and they're both on the internet. I understand, right? Yes. Oilers so, uh, website will be uh, live streaming those games, and I think they're on YouTube and a couple other alternatives as well. So people can certainly see the see the boys in action when they start playing, you know, pseudo games here. I guess real games, but. Uh, They'll, they'll be taking, uh, uh, not wasting much time, first game tomorrow. All right, so the orders, Bruce, we're going to talk about rookie camp lineups. We'll get to that second. Let's talk about the, the first big thing that's happened. And I think it's actually pretty darn significant. And the, the orders have finally addressed their third line situation. They've signed 27-year-old center, mm-hmm. longtime NHLer, uh, Riley Sheehan. Is mm-hmm. he related to Bobby Sheehan? Nope, different spelling. Okay. It's S H E A H A N, and I've heard him pronounce Sheehan as opposed to Sheehan. Whereas Bobby okay. Sheehan was S H E E H A N, and he was an absolute burner, man. One of the fastest skaters I've ever seen, Bobby Sheehan. He was a weird hockey player, though. <laughs> could be sore, but he, he was could so skate. ineffective. He could. He was flying, <laughs> flying all over the ice, doing everything he could. We had another guy. Then, then his that role was inherited by Bobby Russell. Remember him, blonde-haired yes. Bobby Russell, flying yep. all over the ice a million miles an hour. Have we had a player like that in recent years? Who, who's the closest to the flying all over the ice rapidly? Kajula, maybe 
uh, but he was a bit more effective. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, he looked faster than he actually was, in my view. Yeah, you're right. He's one of those little guys that takes a lot of short strides and looks like he's burning around out there. Um, and I'm not saying he wasn't fast. I just don't think he was like <clears throat> in the top few percent of, of pure pure speed. A lot of people still mourn the loss of Drake Kajula Bruce. I am not in that camp. Uh, he was such a weak defensive. I'm more in the trade, not the loss. I, the I hear you. The trade stunk <laughs> the high heavens. That's a fair comment. All right, man. Riley Sheehan, you did the post. What do you think of the signing? Are you uh, <sighs> are you well, all? Uh, is this a royal flush kind of move or? Well, it, it would be closer to one if he was a righty. Yeah. Uh, but he's not. He's a lefty. But you know, he checks an awful lot of boxes, David. Uh, he was. Uh, uh, he's he is twenty seven, and Ken Holland has shown a, a tremendous affinity for signing twenty six, twenty seven year old mid career guys to one year contracts around one million dollars. That's five all, thumbs up. Yeah, that. it's six thumbs up now because we're up to six such players. I think that have been outside hires by Holland. So exactly the right age to bring someone in, Bruce. Don't bring in these 32, 33 year old guys, 31. Bring in guys who are still hungry, man. And don't sign them to seven year contracts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's he's 27. But you know what? He's been in the NHL. Uh, he got he had a year and a half playing down in the AHL on uh, the Grand Rapids uh, under the classic Detroit. Uh, bring him along slowly. He's a former first round draft pick, 21 overall. Uh, they brought him along a year and a half in the AHL, and when they called him up midway in the 2013-14 season, he played every game for the rest of that season, and for the five full seasons since, he's played 79, minimum 79 games in every season. He's only missed seven games in his career, five and a half years. He's played 447 games, so he's got lots of experience. Uh, he's got decent size, 6'3", 214. Sorry, he was 24 overall, whatever difference that makes. Uh, but uh, he scored over his career a point every three games. He's had a couple of 30-point seasons, including as recently as the year before last in Pittsburgh uh, when he had uh, 32 points. Uh, he's um, uh, he's sort of marginal as third line. Like he, His ice time, uh, he's like 268th in even strength ice time per game, right? There's 279 top nine forwards in the NHL by by math. Uh, and and he's 251st in points per 60. So he's like lower echelon third line player. But let's bear in mind now, we're getting a third line player at no acquisition cost, $900,000 only salary uh, with all that recent uh, experience like he's an he, he is an NHLer as opposed to he was an NHLer who's trying to come back like say Thomas Yurko or or he's a guy fighting back from some some uh, uh, big hassle problem that he's had physical problem and so on nothing nothing like that uh, the better thing then is even strength performance is on the penalty kill he's a big time penalty killer uh, he's played uh, two two and a quarter minutes of uh, PK minutes, uh, uh, I think 15th in the league in in, um, in uh, shorthanded ice time for forwards over the last couple of years, and uh, uh, he's 
in the top uh, top twenty percent, certainly in goals against per sixty uh, on the penalty kill. Which the other Oilers, all the guys that sort of slated to be penalty killers, which are the returning Oilers plus Marcus Granlund, have a poor track record of being <clears throat> killing penalties, but not successfully. You know, giving up goals. So you want to get guys that are a little better than that. And Chris, he, I find that the 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 hardest thing to rate by numbers, the single yeah, hardest thing to rate by numbers. And this also includes our own scoring chance work where mm-hmm. we're trying to figure it out. And I write about this in my, the post I just posted on the penalty mm-hmm. kill. Yeah. The hardest thing to do by numbers is, is the penalty kill. It's such a team. Yeah. It, it's such a team uh, chore and it's, okay. it's often dependent on a zone defense and, or a tricky defense and on, t- and it's, Depends on timing. So someone might look like they're making a mistake, but actually they're not. It's the other guy who's timing. He was too aggressive or not aggressive enough, or they weren't mm-hmm. moving as one, or one guy's off track. And man, and or and so it's a really a case where, like, a, if a player's been on a good PK, he's part of that, but he was just one cog on that wheel. Right. And who knows if he's a really strong PK guy? So it's. I just think this is one area that's totally fraught. Mm-hmm. All we can say for sure is that for the last two years, and so much comes down to goaltending, right? Did you and say fraud or fraud? Fraud. It's fraud <laughs> trying to use statistical analysis on individual it's di- players. It's difficult. Now, the, the, what we can say, Bruce, is the last two years, mm-hmm. the Oilers have been absolutely rancid. They and stink. you can make an argument for changing about almost every single player on that mm-hmm. penalty kill because as a group, they have not been getting it done. And right. I, I think... Um, one of the big issues, that, and the reason, and you brought this up with the face-offs, is Sheehan has been, a, a, he's at uh, 49% on the on face-off draws over the last three years. And um, that that's in the top 30 in the NHL. So so this guy, um, you know, he's, you can send him out there. Leon Dreisaitl's really good on face-offs, 50% on the PK. And uh, so, but Drysaddle is often too tired or he's just been on the ice. But every time you can, you, we don't have to send out Nuge is what I'm trying to say. Nuge, yeah. is, Nuge is a marginal, I'm going to say, like, and I know people don't want to hear that. Nuge is a marginal penalty killer. He's okay, maybe. He, I think he's mediocre at best. I think he's been a big part of a terrible penalty kill. Part of it is, is his rancid face-off work. He's almost the worst guy on face-offs in the penalty kill in the NHL. So the fact that they brought in Sheehan, a guy who can actually get this job done, Bruce, is to me hugely big positive for the team. It was a big hole, and uh, they filled it. Good for yeah, Ken well, Hall. Well, he, yeah, well, he's the guy. All things being equal, the Oilers take a penalty. <clears> over <throat> the boards goes Riley Sheehan to take the D-zone faceoff. And if he wins it, great, which, he, as you say, he's got almost 50% rate on the penalty kill, which is good because the odd man advantage actually works to the advantage of the attacking team on the penalty kill on the power play, they usually get 54, 55%. Yeah. Um, because they have more support from the wingers off the faceoff. And anyway, they, uh, so anything close to 50% is pretty good. But even the other 50% that he loses, I mean, he's a competent, accomplished um, penalty killer. Uh, as I said, you know, uh, the other teams in the last three, two years have scored 5.4 goals. Uh, per 60 minutes that Shane's been on the ice killing penalties. And you might say, well, that's because he's on a successful unit. Well, he's actually been on three different teams, playing big minutes in all three and getting 
uh, results that are in the upper echelon. So I would suggest that, that that stat is actually maybe a little more real for him because it includes a mix of teammates uh, than it might be for a guy that's just, you know, in the right system on the right team. So anyway. Archibald, Archibald and Granlin also mm-hmm. have had, in terms of goals against and high danger chances against, I mean, I'm not saying I don't look at this stuff because right. with the penalty kill, you're trying to look at anything. Right. So they're they're both also significantly better in terms of not allowing high danger chances and um, goals against on the PK than than anyone on the Oilers is any forward on the Oilers has been. So the yeah, other, Holland the other, has taken some real steps here. The other thing about Shane is that um, he has uh, his he's overall he's got a 53.4 percent in the faceoff dot the last two years, and that's like 1,700 draws. Like he's a full time center, uh, and that. That includes way, way more penalty kill face-offs, which are lower percentage, and very few on the power play, which, of course, are the reverse. And also, over the, counting all situations, uh, almost 900 face-offs in the defensive zone compared to 335 in the offensive zone, like almost two and a half to one. And yesterday, he specifically referenced that in his entry interview, that he was... The guy who was going to take some of the defensive zone load off of McDavid and Drysaddle, and to that I said, "Hallelujah!" So he's probably <laughs> going to anchor Bruce there. Tippett has already talked about having kind of a grind checking line, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> and addressing like having players in specific roles. So um, it looks to me like if you have, it's still hard to know who's going to be on the second line on the wing. Could be Nygaard could be it's just there's yeah. anyway but it looks to me like we're going to have a checking line yep. and i'm saying Sheehan's going to be the center on that checking line yep. and so the and the wingers probably are going to be maybe archibald and granland maybe or maybe and, archibald and kyra you know or like, maybe archibald, archibald is in there and so also. it's our let yeah cassian's not a great checker he's an energy kind of player yeah, but he's no, not yeah, a great he's, checker He's a terrible. I don't want to see him on the penalty kill anymore. Yeah, well, that's um, where that's where the upgrade happens. Is he gets somebody out there who understands passing lanes and the like, and takes away those cross seam killer passes that lead to the guy with a seventy five percent scoring chance, right? <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Archibald's probably going to be for sure the winger there if he doesn't get hurt because I, I I don't see Chase on or Gagne in that role. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Cassian's unlikely, although possible. So Archibald, Sheehan, and and as you say, it'll be Kara or uh, Granlin, I guess Nygaard possibly. But uh, looks like a. How does that sound as a check in line to you? I guess we don't know. We don't. We haven't seen. It sounds is, like it sounds, sounds like good, an but it could stink. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like, like an improvement. So did but so did Brodziak like and Reader sound like an improvement, and they yep. didn't turn out to be that, did they? No, I'm not blaming really. you, Bruce. I'm blaming you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I signed both those guys. I know you did. So anyway, they they we were, got... we, were, we were both excited. I, we have to. Bl- I'll blame myself. We were like most Oiler fans. We were excited the day Brodziak and Tobias Reader were signed. Like the vast majority of Oiler fans, we thought those were good moves, and we were excited. True or true or false? True. Oh, I'm always excited when they sign anyone. But that's me. <laughs> but that's me. David, we're losing you off the right side of the screen a oh. little bit here. And I know the new YouTube format splits us, so we wind mm. up, we don't have the full screen when we speak. Like I should, we, used we should look at each other kind of this way, and then you should look at me, and then we'll be looking at each other. Oh, okay. 
let's not do that. It's a really bad idea. Everyone was excited, Bruce, when those two players were were signed and 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 genuinely yeah. excited. Did they? No, come yeah. on, they were. Yeah. I I I could probably go back and look through your. I'm not going to do this. Your Twitter. No, page, you can. You can. Page. I was. I'm a fan of Kyle Brodziak, and I, I was happy to see him come back. But the fact remains, I'm still sour, bitter even, about the trade that sent him away to uh, a divisional rival for nothing. Just when he was coming into his own as a young player, young, cheap, good depth, bottom six, versatile player, and then they brought him back nine years later when he was done. You are the elephant of Oiler fans, Bruce. Is it the elephant who forgets nothing? I don't. Yeah. Isn't that I, the I, proverb? Or the isn't there a proverb yeah, where the elephant? Yeah, the elephant has nothing. a long memory, and so do I. Yeah, you are. Well, the I'm a elephant. little. I'm a little lighter, I think. Bruce, the elephant McCurdy. <laughs> <laughs> I have an elephantine memory. <laughs> okay. All right. So she and so what? <coughs> excuse me. What this does at center is now they have a. I mean, before we were counting on Gaten Haas and Judger Kara for third and fourth line center, and that mm-hmm. that was a nightmare in the making. Although yep. I was trying to tell myself that it was going to work out. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> now at least there's now it looks like there's. There's and Colby Cave's in there somewhere. I don't think mm-hmm. Cooper Rody's an NHL center, but so there's four guys, um, and there's Brad Malone, who I don't think is an NHL center. Uh, he, he's to me, Brad Malone just got bumped right off the the, the realistic um, depth chart with uh, and, and, Shane, and right the Shane's home. and Shane's right. a big big upgrade on 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 Brad Malone. Okay, so so but it's looking a lot better. So mm-hmm. I, this is a this is probably like. Not because Shane's a good player, but I'm going to give this move a B, a B plus. I'm mm-hmm. going to bump it to a B plus just because it fulfills, it fills such an obvious need. And they didn't sign, you know, a lot of people would have been more excited if they signed Broussard, Bruce. Yeah, I'm not. And, mm-hmm. and I say this not having watched closely either of these two players. So I don't, my opinion on it isn't very useful, honestly. But just, just going by... The recent history of these players and their age, I, and I'm just tired of seeing the Oilers bring in these 31, 32, 33 year old centers. We've seen it too much, and I don't think they they have. Broussard wore out his welcome with three different NHL teams last year, and you could argue Shane did the same with at least one in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, but Broussard's contract was for significantly more. Was it 1.5? I'm trying to remember, but anyway, it was well well in excess of that one million mark. Um, it, and I don't see him as, a, in fact, he complained about his role in Pittsburgh, playing behind Crosby and Malkin and, and sort of doing the dirty work as a 3C and, he, and didn't suit him. Well, what oh, do you think he. you're going to do in Edmonton, right? Who do you, well, where, how do you think you're going to play in the top six in Edmonton as a center? Right? This was Broussard complaining about it? This was Broussard. Well, he didn't before, sign her, of course. Before he signed anywhere, he was complaining about that. And how the role didn't suit him and so on. Where Shane came in here and basically the first thing he said was, I'm going to relieve some of the D-zone and sort of do some of the dirty work so that the, the big boys can concentrate more on offense. And that's music to my ears. He's cheaper. He's younger. He's bigger. He's an established penalty killer, which Broussard never killed. I think his career, he's killed 90 minutes in penalties in his entire career. Like, it just was the wrong fit. So I was relieved when he went elsewhere. I was like frankly concerned the day that they were talking about signing him because I thought this is the wrong player they need in the bottom six which they 
it's been such a disaster. Like decent guy at penalty killers. Like if your bottom six can't kill penalties, what the hell can they do? Well, they uh, should never have they gotten sure, rid of. They sure can't score goals. I mean, they proved that well enough. Should last have kept year. their hands on Leonard Patrell, Bruce. Oh, yeah. Leonard anyway, Patrell was a, yeah. was the best penalty killer that the Oilers have had in the last decade. There you go. Okay. Um, Riley okay. Sheehan, he's going to drive people crazy from what <laughs> I remember of him because he's big, and he's he looks slow, and he's not physical. So he's the he's the the kind of Penner esque player who is going to make a lot of people crazy. I think that's my predictions. But and I don't know, maybe he'll make me crazy too. But uh, I suspect he might be surprisingly okay, surprisingly effective. Those kind of yeah. I mean, the guys that do that D zone dirty work generally don't get a lot of accolades because they you know they're not the ones that are putting the biscuit in the basket for the most part, and they're more likely to be <coughs> you know in, in also in frame when the puck goes into our net. So you know it it. Uh, uh, even the good ones, you know, they're often under siege just by nature of the role. So anyway, they've got a, at least now they've got a guy who's an, an actual NHL player uh, who's not 34 years old, you know, and and uh, is there were other than like if he was a righty, it would be even that a little bit I'm better. He's but, the, I'm hoping he's the Chris Russell of centers, not the Mark Fain of centers. <laughs> Because I'm a little worried he might be the Mark Bain of centers. Oh. Might be a little bit ineffectual out there, too. Well, is he going to be better than what we saw from Kyle Brodziak last year? Because oh, yeah. you could argue that that's the guy he's most directly replacing. In the, yeah, in the but Brodziak can't play. Like, apparently, he's in. He was in, yeah. apparently badly injured last year, which explains yeah. a lot, and unable yeah. to play this he, year. So He had a back issue that's probably, like, the, it's certainly the rumors are bubbling under, and uh, that uh, it's a back thing and that it did hamper him last year and it might sideline him altogether this year, which if he goes on LTIR, well, that's, you know. In the case of Brodziak, he did sign a two-year deal, not a one-year. At his age, it was a bit of a stretch, but uh, yeah. uh, at least it wasn't for any significant amount of of coin, you know, $1.15 million. Well, they can bury that on injured reserve without a, without a big... Uh, um, you know, without a big um, repooling of resources. It's not like he's Andre Secker and they're trying to figure out how in the hell to to uh, play the long-term injured reserve game. So rookie camp, Bruce, let's move on mm. and talk about that. Sure. Really exciting. I'm just looking at your list of players that are going to be there. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, we've been writing this rookie sees series mm-hmm. and now we actually get to see them. This is, I'm kind of pumped. I'm looking at the list here and I'm really excited I'm uh, to see... You know, it's one year later, all these guys, we saw them all last fall, and we can yeah. remember Maximov, Kirill Maximov not playing that well, and uh, after after playing really well the, the year previously, we get to see, you know, Bouchard, who had this great playoff last year, great season, great playoffs in Bakersfield, Samarukov, who took the OHL uh, playoffs by storm, Yeah, Hebig, who was so good in dev camp, can he keep that up against some tougher competition? Benson, Lavoie, Marodi, it's McLeod. It's just really exciting because, you know, Corey Pronman of The Athletic, who looks at all the uh, farm systems, had the Oilers farm system ranked ninth overall. Scott Hausen was on Oilers Now uh, yesterday saying he generally agreed with that assessment, although he didn't agree with Pronman on every player. 
he said Oilers are somewhere between eight and 12 in terms of their farm system. That's Scott Housen, which was an interesting, like for him to be so like not boosterish in a way, like not uh-huh. so we're actually number five, but you know, like I thought that I was kind of interesting. Why. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting because it were eight. We're between eight and twelve. Like that's a very, it's uh, uh, a sober, assessment. very sober uh, assessment from somebody. So good for Scott Howes, and he gained credibility in a, uh, by not being over the top there. So who last are, year what? they were twenty-two, and this year nine, according to Pronman. And I agree with that assessment. They've taken a huge surge forward, almost by running in place. You know, uh, I think the theme to this camp. Um, yeah. Yeah. is how many of these guys are one year closer to being whatever it is they're going to be. And that starts with the guys who aren't here, who are at last year's camp, Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, William Lagerson, <coughs> uh Joe Gambardella, uh, you know, guys who, uh, because they've been pros now for a couple of years, no longer qualify for this camp. And uh, I think there's a games played threshold that they probably all exceeded last year in the AHL. So those guys aren't here, but they're all still prospects in the organization. So that's what's running underneath. And what's running up on the surface is of the 23 guys that are here in a much more streamlined camp, uh, there's four training camp invites, uh, four AHL-only contracts. So you can basically write all those guys off. You know that they're they're going to be gone. They're either going to be in AHL camp or they're going to be back with their junior teams. Um, but of the 15 guys who are here who are on the NHL stream, there is one new player, uh, and that is Raphael Lavoie, who was picked in the second round this year. Uh, he's the only one of the 15 that isn't already under contract. So th- these are serious guys that they hold hopes for. Uh, at least in most cases. Uh, and the other 14 guys, all 14 of them were in camp here last year. And so there's not only some continuity there, but they're all closer. You know, they're, you know, Evan Bouchard is a year closer. Tyler Benson is a year closer. And on you can go down that list with uh, with Yamamoto and, and uh, uh, Marodi, uh, guys that now have a year of pro under their belt who are... Uh, knocking on the door a little more than they were a year ago and in many of the cases that was a good year they had a they had a strong year uh in be it in bakersfield or you know in the cases uh in uh, uh major junior uh where he really took a huge step forward and there's just a lot more reason not only for hope of future help but that that help is is at hand that you can't just point at one guy and say, well, if that guy doesn't make it, we're toast, right? If Toby well, Reader scored uh, 10 goals. Anyway, if, if there's a bunch of guys, and you got to think that one or two of them is going to bubble up. So that's what I'm looking for here, Bruce. That's what, it, like, if, I, if I'm most excited about anything in this camp, it's not necessarily to see Maximov or McLeod or Samarukov, because I, I am ex- excited to see those guys. But I'm really, really going to be focusing on Benson, Bouchard and Marodi. Like these are the guys out of this camp who have a chance to make the Edmonton Oilers. And the Oilers, is, you know, Marodi and Benson especially. This is a huge moment of opportunity for them. Right. They both had brilliant rookie seasons in yes. the AHL. The Oilers are yeah. desperate for wingers who can attack. They can both attack. So this is their chance. This is a big moment for these two guys. 
And hopefully they've addressed that. This time I hear Ben's great reports about Benson. Um, you know, Marodi yeah. is such a f- fine hockey player. He's just really great with the puck, so smart with the puck. And it'd be interesting to see if he can figure out a way to become uh, a useful NHL player. Um, and you think, on the, wing, you think on the wing, eh, for ben, uh, Marodi? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's, a, <clears throat> he's a right shot guy, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I just see him... Uh, I see him as a winger, and uh, he's uh, and a good winger. And both Marodi and Benson, I think, have a chance because they combine so well with other players, pass the puck so well with other players. And when you have players like McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins to a certain extent, they're just looking for players who are smart enough and skilled enough to um, pass the puck well with them. Hey, I just want to add one thing. I'm going to go off topic here for a second. I read an interview yesterday with Nugent Hopkins on Pugliarvi. And it was the most heartening thing. He, he actually sounded like he gave a crap about the yeah. player yeah. and was saying, you know, he's going to, he, he just talked about the confidence issues and how Pugliarvi has got a lot of potential. He was close and seemed to get down on himself. It was, it was, that was, it just struck me as being real leadership. And I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily, I'm not trying to criticize anyone else for like not going out on a limb and um, supporting Dreisaitl, or excuse me, supporting uh, Pugliarvi. But it was nice to see Nugent Hopkins support mm-hmm. Pugliarvi in this way and, and to, to indicate that he'd be, certainly be open to him coming back to the team and hoping for the best for this player. So I like that, Bruce. Did you see that interview? Uh, I, I read comments from the interview, <clears throat> yeah, and, yeah. And and you're right, the, the give a crap uh, level was a little bit different. Uh, I mean, Dreisaitl, I understood where he was coming from. Like the guy left bailed on the team and uh, let's move on, you know, but uh, uh, I think Nuge is, uh, uh, you know, just he's a little, little, little um, uh, more sympathetic, a little, little more, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit more mature of a person uh, making the comments. And then, uh, I mean, Nuge is one of those guys in the leadership group, you know, is wearing the letters on the team and he, you know, he, he chose his word carefully and, you know, he's, uh, I mean, he's always one of those guys who's not going to say anything controversial. Anyway, he's been very, very good at at uh, at uh, towing the the verbal line uh, throughout in terms of being the hockey player's hockey player with the boring um, quotes. Not not totally uninteresting, but you know, he's he's not ever going to go out and say anything outrageous. Um, well, none of them are really, and I don't have a problem with really Dreisaitl's, you know, his comments and or McDavid's comments. I think they were both asked what they thought, and I was fine with what they said. Like, <laughs> I can understand people not being happy with a teammate um, yeah. who doesn't want to be there. I get that too, yeah. but it was nice to hear Nugent Hopkins be supportive of the player. And and I, and again, I guess I'm saying this is as an Oilers fan who's really hopeful that in a year or two years or three years, however long it takes. Pulley gets his game together, gets healthy, gets confident, and is, and is willing to come back to the orders. Because I just think this could this could be a huge mistake, Bruce. If if they trade oh. him for nothing, or they or they write him off, like no, they, this should be this should be like, thank goodness this happened. This is a great opportunity to reset to get this guy the experience he needs and to go from there. So well, I hope he hears comments like those coming from Nugent Hopkins, and that he doesn't just take in that everything's negative. And yeah. You know, and, and you watch highlights uh, as are coming in over the internet of JP scoring goals over in uh, the Champions League of, of Europe. But I don't care what league it is. You see the guy with that, you know, that huge wingspan 
and the loping stride and 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 the hands and you go holy man that's an nhl talent could we ever use a guy like that if he ever got his crap together <laughs> and you know he just struggled to do that on a consistent basis here in uh, in edmonton it's it's i mean the talent is undeniable and it's just a matter of when when can he do that and, and you know and the, the the second best scenario is he improves his trade value and they you know because right now he's kind of at the bottom floor of of uh, what he could probably get in return also so yeah you know he'd have luck. to have a pretty amazing he'd have to have 50. a pretty amazing <laughs> season to improve his trade value though bruce yeah, i hope he scores 50 in the league you know all this talk about edmonton fans and media are hoping for him to fail miserably over there well not me Who's hoping that? I have never. I'm, I'm not hearing anyone say that. Like I'm hearing lots of negative comments about Puliyarvi. People mm-hmm. are mad and they're fed up with him and they don't want him back on the orders. I hear that a lot, but I'm not hearing. I hope he fails. Are you hearing that? Uh, I'm hearing that being ascribed to Edmonton uh, fans by uh, outsiders. But are you hearing anyone from Edmonton say that? No. So I'm hearing people from Edmonton, and we're in touch. Is touch with the Oilers fans? Is is anyone? And I'm not seeing anyone say that. That's just rubbish if people are ascribing that to Oilers fans. What they're saying is, I'm sick of pulling the, the Oilers. The, one, the specific comment I read was the me- Oilers media were hoping he falls on his face. But oh, I, I don't, don't, I don't see it. I have, I, if you can show me one tweet from somebody, maybe there's one fan, but uh, none of the regular people who comment, none of our great cult of hockey <laughs> readers and listeners say that i'm pretty sure okay bruce maybe we should leave it there we're getting a little uh link do you have anything else you wanted to add um well just the one final thing about rookie camp is that uh and in general about what we've been talking about is that ken holland has done a strong enough job layering the uh bottom six and bottom eight or however many you want to count (laughs) on the roster that there is time uh these guys there's cover for these guys to learn their trade and if they do wind up going back to the ahl it's not a matter of well geez you know he didn't make the team now and that's really going to hurt us it's a matter well we got other guys and we got layers of other guys european uh experienced european players experienced ahl players experienced nhl players that were signed as uh, free agents over the summer and there's um uh a critical mass of of uh, sort of I guess lower echelon, but NHL caliber uh, players or guys knocking on the door that it will allow these guys to develop in their own time. And sure, I mean, if uh, Tyler Benson or Cooper Marodi comes into training camp and starts filling the net and looks like they're they're ready, then great. They're probably better than these guys in the long run. Uh, but the timing on it now is going to be a little bit more relaxed in terms of, well, let's send them down for a couple more months and give them a bit more time. And and, and uh, in the meantime, we actually have a guy or several guys that uh, can can cover off that role. And and I do think the, the collection of bottom sixers, which has been a perennial problem for this team. Geez, I, I remember writing an article when Craig McTavish took over from Steve Tamalini, where the headline was, should Craig McTavish deep six the bottom six? <laughs> and it was, oh, and it's just, it was ever thus, right? Every time the new GM takes over, I thought, well, look at this mess he's got at the bottom six. 
And I think Holland has addressed that. And <laughs> I mean, well, the proof will be in the pudding when they start playing the games, obviously. Uh, yeah. But the collection of guys, I no longer see Edmonton's bottom six as being a glaring weakness. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go out and outscore other teams. I'm just saying they're probably not going to get killed to the degree that they have in, uh, especially last year. I think one of Benson, Marodi, or Yamamoto will make the team. Mm-hmm. Just not sure which of the which of the three will do it. Could be any of them. Least likely Yamamoto, just because of his wrist issue, and and I, he just needs a stretch of healthy play and and good play, I think. But uh, they're they're all. Like I say, the whole bunch of them is closer in 2019 than they were in 2018. And we're going to see some movement. We're going to see some real hard, hard competition for jobs at training camp. That part's going to be real good. Alrighty, Bruce. Thanks for talking today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.